Do you enjoy the WT Fada podcast and want more of it throughout the week? Well, boy, do I have a surprise for you. A special invitation to our Instagram page. It's kind of the central hub that makes WT Fada work. Um, head on over to Instagram and give us a follow at WT Fada underscore podcast. And uh, you'll be able to see via our stories what the next week's episode is going to be about and the links for you to be able to send us voice messages in regards to that next week's episode, which is pretty cool. We haven't done that on the show yet, but we're looking forward to getting some, you know, listener reactions and feedback. Um, Also, um, the Instagram page throughout the week. Now we post general show updates, but we also post news articles that are basically things that we want to talk about in the off-topic of the upcoming episode. So that's kind of cool. You get a sneak peek of things that we're going to be talking about. Um, And also, whenever a new piece of art comes out related to WT Fada, I always throw it up on the WT Fada Instagram page um, so that you guys can get a look at the different merchandise that's available, the different designs and everything. And, um, you know, it's it's kind of, it is the central hub. It's the lifeblood of WT Fada. So we do hope to see you there. Thanks, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to an all-new episode of WT Fada. This new episode being the 52nd, which is crazy. I feel like, uh, I don't know, like 52, it's just been a long time coming, this one. I don't know Um, about you, but I'm feeling 52. Yeah. (laughs) My back is killing me. It's bad? No, it's not that bad. I, well, I've you been seeing a bad. chiropractor for like seven years now, so it's fine. But Yeah, <laughs> it's manageable. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I am obviously one half of your hosting duo, Ron Beak Third, and I'm joined here by the ever-lovable and ever-gracious John Callahan. Yeah, and if you've noticed, we've dropped the essential and non-essential uh, titles here. Yeah, I, because, uh, yeah, I'm no longer essential, right? Because I'm not, I'm not getting, like, any hazard pay or any of that. And Johnny is kind of more essential than he was because uh, you're, you're, back, you're back to work, aren't you, buddy? I'm back to work, man, this week. Mm. So, if you've, well no- done. if you've noticed, I don't have my video on, which I will turn it on in a second. But the reason yeah. I don't have it on... Is because one of the stipulations of being able to go back to work is that I need this mask to fit properly by their standards. No fucking shit. I when you so, said that you like you were like I don't have the screen on. Uh, I, I like I so normally when the Zoom meeting starts, I turn it on and I immediately see John's face, and I did not see John's face, and I was like, "What the fuck is going on here?" 
Um, and I wound up asking about him because I know that uh, about it because I, he's using some different equipment. He got a new laptop for the show. Um, so I was wondering if there was like an equipment problem that maybe he wasn't aware of on his end. I wasn't sure what was going on. And you said when you said there was a reason, I was sort of like, well, maybe. Yeah. Well, it was one of the things that passed through my mind. One of the things. Well, if the front-facing camera shows my face, it might break, so it might lead to some equipment issues here. Oh, no. Come on. So, yeah. You've guessed it. Uh, my beard is gone. My no luscious, fucking way, dude. beard shaved down oh, to man. the skin. It's gone, Oh, man. my God. It's gone. I can't even imagine this. The last Like, time. I feel like I haven't seen your face in so long. Dude, the, I can't tell you the last time I was clean shaven. I think it's been about, it's been around ten years, probably. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I was gonna throw out twenty eleven, as, as the last time I feel mm -hmm. like I really saw you without any facial hair. Right. Yeah. It was like we were still in high school. Mm. Yeah, just getting out of high school. I think uh, mm. around that time. But uh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm like. Yeah, we graduated. I'm bad with time. Oh nine. <laughs> Yeah, I'm bad with time. Two years after. No, all good. Man. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Um, but I came up with a plan, you know, to <laughs> to still be able to to see people and not have this be an issue. So I will um, reveal. He, he got a toupee, hey! <laughs> a beard toupee. Whoa. Um, I am terrified right now at what I'm seeing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that this is the villain from the uh, soon-to-be-released Black Widow film, uh, The Taskmaster. This was pretty sure. This is actually my way of revealing to you that I got that part. That's <laughs> it's supposed to be a secret, man. <laughs> They're building it up in the trailers like it's some big mystery, and I just uh, you're ruining it, dude. So uh, as you can see, I'm wearing a uh, a lucha mask. <laughs> yeah, he's in a full-blown like luchador. <laughs> mask it has like a hood yeah it's it's like a day of the dead nun almost so with the, with the hood <laughs> so this is kind of like my fun way of dealing with it because dude i look like i'm 21 again without that's good it's no it's not that's good good dude i walk by the mirror and i gotta like take a couple steps back and look and i'm like oh my god this is awful you know what you need to do is get the uh have you ever seen the people that knit um <laughs> that knit the uh the beards you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. have you ever seen those you should get one of those you just hook around your ears right i know i should yeah. do that but like, just to just to have just in the meantime that i still have yeah. it so good news is i only needed to shave it for initial inspection you know this is not the company i work for this isn't their guidelines this is like the state's guidelines so I right, expected, right. have to make sure that um, it needed to be an eighth of an inch. That was the longest it could be. And, uh, you know, I won't get inspected again. My masks, they fit fine with the beard. They have been this entire time. It's just a stupid rule that they put in place. And, uh, you know, so I'm, uh, I'm in the process of growing this bad boy back out. Yeah. Maybe I'll take the mask off at the end. Give you a little a little surprise but john I, I i'm just saying there's nobody watching it's all listeners so like you're you're safe oh okay i meant for you i just don't want you I know. to see me differently 
because Haley already has I, plans to leave me. She's in the process of moving <laughs> out. I don't blame her, and I don't want to lose everything else I have. My cats won't even look at me. They won't come near me. It's awful. I'm, this is life-changing, I, man. I understand. I totally get. I totally get your feeling. You you've been growing that thing out for so long, and it it did become a central feature of you. Even on my mic stand, you have a big, beautiful, luscious beard in that in that sticker that I made. Um, so yeah, it is. It would be strange, but I don't think that I would fire you from this show just because you didn't have a beard. I don't think. Like. I don't even know if I really have the authority. This is kind of a, a church that we built on the same rock together. Um, but I, I I don't think that I would try to get you kicked off the show. You don't think? Well, I'm pretty sure. I don't think you would either. I know you would. <laughs> so wait a minute. So I just want to I just want to be 100% clear here. Where this is how the show is going to operate. Oh, with this! Oh, yeah, dude, this is it. This is this is what you're wearing the entire show. Okay. Do you remember that scene in Step Brothers where they're just hanging out and the guy, you know, one of them's wearing a Chewbacca mask and like that's just it. That's just life now. That's what this is. (laughs) I'm uh, I I I feel like I might have a little bit of trouble with this episode, but that's okay. I feel (laughs) I I'll, I'll be all right. I'm gonna try to do something really quick because I do feel like I'm depriving people. Uh, do you want to, like, strike a pose for me, John? Yeah, I want to make sure that this gets on the Instagram page so that people know what I'm seeing. I don't like that pose. That was that was dumb. I want to do a different one. Do you want one. a different one? All right, hang on. Both of them are going to go up. I, I just am letting you know. Yeah. All right, ready? Three, two, one, and bam. All right. Uh, hang on. Look directly into the camera because I feel like that. Yeah. Right there. Is this in no, the with, the, with the pose, with the pose. Oh, yeah, nice just stay. Up. I'll do one of these. Yeah, stay right there. Three, two, one, and bam. All right, cool. We're good. Um, yeah, I do feel like people need to uh, need to actually see what I'm seeing to understand my discomfort. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, back to work. Are you wearing that on the job? Like, do you have that mask and then the face mask over it? Yeah, man, it's totally acceptable. <laughs> You're just walking into people's house looking vaguely like the Grim Reaper. <laughs> Nobody says anything. <laughs> if these motherfuckers want to play games, man, I'll play games. All right, I'm not. I'm not just some sheep that's just gonna follow Mm-mm. the rules for a little bit of money. You know? No. John doesn't do anything halfway. No. Like this is John is a full measure man. A full measure. And I'm all in. Yes, he's all in. Um, yeah, so uh, how was your first week back to work? You know, I don't hate it as much. I hate having a bedtime. I like to sleep when my body wants to sleep. I like to wake up when my body wants to wake up. It's great, but yeah. um, I'm having to discipline myself more, obviously, again, which is great because it gives me, you know, a little bit of a challenge to do mm. that but you know overall it's not bad um obviously yeah. going back out into the covid world you know this is like the first time i've had to be be somewhere where i'm like uh, i don't really want to be here but like i have to be you know if i've gone out to do anything it's been my choice and i've been able to take it 
uh, under my circumstances, but you know, we have PPE, we have sanitizer. They've kind of gone over mm. the top with the process we have to do, but whatever, man. I mean, what am I going to do? I have zero control over it if I want a job. Mm. So I'm just going to roll with the punches and, you know, do what's necessary to be able to live. Yeah. I mean, that's what the, like the double-edged sword of it is. It's like, well, it's not even that you want the job. It's that you need, you want the money, you know, <laughs> like, I, I would, I would happily, if we weren't in a capitalistic society right now, uh, like just to not have to go anywhere and put yourself at risk at all and still be able to survive would be wonderful. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, we're in this kind of situation and and capitalism is is great it's to me you know it's that that thing that they always say capitalism is the best bad uh situation you know like um it's not perfect uh but it also it, it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit more uh, guarded from corruption in a way because you don't have people at the top that are taking in all the funds and then being like, oh, we made this much and lying about it, you know? Like you take in $2 billion and they're like, oh, we made a billion dollars, so we have to split that amongst all you people. And it's like, well, what happened to that, you know? So, like, communism kind of has runs the, the risk of that internal corruption where the people at the top are, like, disproportionately wealthy. Capitalism, it's like, yes, that can happen here, too, but uh, it definitely is seen more. And there's definitely ways that you can kind of finagle through the system uh, to become one of those elites. It's just a lot of dedication and a ton of work, but I don't know. A lot of politics. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I, I, I'm not an economist, but I'm just saying like in terms of my experience, it's like you can you can better your financial situation here, you know, Uh in a communist society, it's pretty much like, well, this is what you got, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know anything about all that shit, so I don't really have too much no. to say, but there are obviously a small percent of people who share a majority of, of the world's wealth. Yeah, I think that it's, it's too, it's what you know, mm -hmm. you know. Like, if you grow up in... Uh, like a communist society, it's like, no, that, that makes perfect sense. If you grow up in a capitalist society, you're like, no, that makes perfect sense. That's just sort of the way that it is. Um, yeah, so uh, I wanted to say I was very happy. Uh, and also shout out to Kayla Kennedy um, from What's the Story. Uh, she was the only person that commented on my Hail Satin post. Um, I don't know if everybody else got that or not, but yes, uh, hail satin. Uh, we got 666 total plays for WT Fada, uh, which is just a, uh, it's just like a fun milestone, man. I just yeah. saw it and I was like, I can't believe that I looked at it like right as that number rolled over, uh -huh. you know, that there wasn't like two more plays and I went from 665 to 667. I couldn't believe that I actually got 666. Wonderful Made me very timing. happy. Oh, it made me very happy. I knew exactly what to do with it too. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, we're both devils. You're more you're more of an angel than me, but you know. We're both devils at the end of the day. We cause trouble. That's what we do. WT Fada, let's all get offended together. Um also, WT Fada, 
you've tried the rest, now try the mediocreist. Uh, that one too. I like that one. Um, <laughs> uh, so we don't have like a lot on the Instagram page this week for off-topic stuff, but there's a couple of interesting things. Um, let's start with the one that people reacted to less, and then we'll get to the one that people really liked. Um, all right, so uh, this is from Entertainment Weekly. AMC Theaters and Universal have struck a landmark agreement to resolve their dispute over video-on-demand releases, which will allow the studio to release release its movies on VOD after just three week weekends. God damn, I can't talk. I'm so sorry. After just three weekends or 17 days of theatrical release in the U.S. Um, now, remember, like, a few months ago uh, when all of this, like, COVID stuff started? Universal did a release of Trolls World Tour, and for whatever reason, that sack of shit made money. Um, like, tons of money. Unbelievable money, right? Um, and Universal was like, well, this is a great release strategy for the future. And when they said that, AMC went bananas. They were like, oh, yeah? Yeah? You don't want to do the theater? Well, fuck you. We're not going to play Universal movies anymore. They completely, they were like, we're done. Don't send your shit to us. And it was like, hold on, wait, wait, no, we meant we wanted both things, you know. Mm -hmm. It was this big like, like this big battle between the two of them, the two companies. Um, and now all of a sudden, it's like all resolved, all good. Uh, very strange. Yeah, I was surprised to see that. Another thing I was surprised at is that are they releasing movies in theater right now, or is this like uh, something that like once COVID passes, they're like, yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, is that what the plan is? Cuz I think it's I think it's yeah, like like future plans. So I don't think that they're really releasing things way ahead then. Yeah, I mean I th- the theaters are eager to get going. Hollywood's eager to get going. They're resuming production on the movies that they were filming. Um there's going to be a need for some way to present those films. Um what's weird is I think Universal might be jumping the gun here, okay? Um, Because I think their thought process is wrong. So their thought process is like, look, we released Trolls World Tour for $20 a pop for the whole family, and everybody uh, got to watch it, right? Uh, And and we we sold to all these different households, all these households with young kids that would watch something terrible. like Trolls World Tour. Um, we should do a Trolls World Tour episode. I, I haven't seen it, but I, I feel like either. it might be I fun. Seen any of the Trolls <laughs> no. no. Um, but yeah, so that's their mentality, right? AMC is like, well, we're not going to release your films in our theaters. They're like, hold on, hold on, wait, let's talk about this. So they talk about it. And the agreement that they come to is that, okay, we're going to be allowed to release our movies three weeks after you have an exclusive on them, and then when we release the movies on VOD, you are also going to get a cut of our profits from the VOD sales. Everybody's happy, right? But I don't think they're thinking this through. Trolls World Tour was sold to families at $20 a pop while they couldn't interact with other families. As soon as you introduce the idea that people can go over other people's houses... You have seven or eight families 
throwing in two or three dollars a piece so that all their kids can have like a sweepover and watch that fucking movie. Mm-hmm. And then your VOD sales go right, right in the toilet. So yeah. not only do your sales go in the toilet, but now you also have to pay AMC money to keep showing your films in the theaters. This is not a this is not an effective move. This is a bad bad business decision on Universal's part, and I don't know how AMC stuck it to them so hard. You know, <laughs> I guess we'll see how it plays out, man. But no, that makes sense because I mean, obviously, if there's like a movie coming out that a bunch of people want to see, you know, you could toss in a couple bucks here and there, and uh, you mm-hmm. know, it's kind of how people get together for uh, UFC, you know. Or some exactly WWE or AEW, you know, like one person pays, or you know, people pitch in and they all just go and watch at the same place. But, but what are the stipulations? Because like you have you have bars that will order like a pay per view event to bring in clientele, right? Mm-hmm. So they'll true. bring in clientele, and then you have all of these people watching the pay per view event for free. More or less. It's just the independent restaurant that did it. So, like, where does this end? Like, could could a restaurant be like... Or could, could, like, a like a bar be like, oh, there's this movie coming out, and we're going to play it on all our screens. You know? It's three weeks after it was in theaters initially, but we're going to play it on all our screens. So come in, grab food and drink, sit down, and watch the new movie. Like, this is a horrible release strategy and i don't know if you could you could actually control that like like universal somebody could could somebody could sign into their own personal account like the manager of a restaurant could sign into their own personal account and rent the movie and then play it on all their screens and that would never get back to universal unless somehow somebody there mentioned it on social media and then Universal picked up on it. There's, like, no way to control who's getting to see your product. Mm-hmm. They're going to tank their profits. Yeah, I mean, bars and restaurants already kind of do viewing parties here and there. Right. You know, so yeah. that, that, that's not outside of the realm of possibility. I could see that happening. Yeah. But then again, you know, I don't know. I mean, for me personally, I don't think that'd be ideal, like, to go to a bar to like kind of watch a new movie because you know people don't shut the fuck up um but yeah i'm it's... sure that it, it, it'd be popular enough for it to be effective yeah yeah there, there there's a risk it, that's a good point i mean sports doesn't have the narrative aspect you're just watching people do actions so you don't need audio necessarily um well they've done like reality tv viewing parties too you know like mm. i've gone and i've watched um I've watched like an episode of the challenge out at a bar with people. I've watched an episode of Survivor out of the bar with people. Yeah. And you know, yeah. people they're quiet for the most part, but it's not a movie where you need to like really zone in, pay attention, and like there's commercials, so it's like you get a break every now and then. If you're gonna rent a movie at a yeah. bar, it's like, you know, an hour and a half to two, maybe sometimes even three hours of like just shutting mm. the fuck up unless they have yeah. scheduled breaks you're like, We're gonna pause the movie at this time, you know? Yeah. You got to look at their biggest money makers too, like the Fast and the Furious franchise, because they're not like are they story heavy? That's, they're not even story that's heavy. That's true. Too. I didn't even take that into consideration. It's a crazy thing. Like they, those movies pull in like a billion dollars, and I feel like if you had the if you had them on mute, people would get the same entertainment value because it's just it's <laughs> all fast cars and you know crazy over the top action stuff at this point. Like 
Uh, I don't know. I I feel like Universal is like like they're they're drunk. Like they like somebody needs to be like you got to sit down. You got to sit down. Shush. You know, mm-hmm. calm it. Uh, but I don't know. It seems like a disastrous move for me. Uh, but we'll see what happens. I'm curious. Um. Then the other thing we yeah, I guess we, so. Whenever this shit ends, if it ever does, I mean. Oh God! I hope it come does. out of this the same way. So maybe no. this trying to cover their asses. Worst case scenario. Yeah. Because maybe I mean, I understand the that idea that like theaters are in trouble get together to go and to movies, they you know, need so they um think about you know, people gathering at a bar. They 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 know that they're coming up on some type of an end, you know, um, but. I sort of feel like these types of decisions are a little bit frightening, you know, like anything, these things can go completely wrong and, uh, it does concern me, you know, I mean, I'm not that big of a, a fan of universal films in general. Um, but I do kind of feel like, uh, I look at the decision-making process involved with this and I just feel like it's a very, um, a very precarious spot to be in. Um, so I don't know. I, uh, I feel, I feel like, um, I feel like it could go either way. I feel like maybe, uh, the universal thing works out. Maybe it doesn't. The other thing that we posted on the Instagram this week was about, the Johnny Depp Amber Heard stuff that's going on. Dude, that just keeps um, getting wilder and wilder. Yeah, it's like a complete blowout. I've I, I've never seen I feel like the age of civility is is gone. So it's like all everything is balls to the wall. It's all out in the open. And it's all just so like cartoonishly vicious. Uh it's it's hard to hard to know what to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um you know, obviously, allegations of any d- domestic violence, uh, domestic abuse stuff is, uh, you know, they're, I think we said on the on the Instagram, it's like it's decidedly unfunny. But some of the things that are coming out around it, like it's, you know, satellite to the core issue, are hilarious. <laughs> and it's hard to fathom. Like some of the things that they're talking about, it's hard to fathom. Um so I was really taken the first time I really like kind of belly laughed in all of this because I, I generally think that this is tragic. Uh, like the, the, the situation itself is tragic. The first time I actually laughed about it was uh, page six has an article that just the, the title of it says Johnny Depp allegedly threatened to cut off Elon Musk's penis after learning of alleged affair. Um, so... I guess this was like in a text message or something that he, he and I guess he calls Elon Musk mollusk, <laughs> uh, which is like, I don't know. I, I They're talking about all the things that he calls people like he calls Leonardo DiCaprio pumpkin head. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so like they're talking about this and like I'm watching him I'm like for years and years and years. Johnny Depp was like a like a sex symbol. He's definitely like kind of aging out of that at this point and allegations of domestic abuse generally don't you know increase your sex appeal um but i just think it's funny 
that Johnny Depp and like Donald Trump, same sense of humor, like exact same sense of humor. Oh yeah. You think about like the all the nicknames. Yeah. Yeah, all the nicknames that Trump throws out there, and then like you're hearing these things that Johnny Depp has allegedly called people, and it's like, that's Trump. <laughs> that's not. That's Donnie Depp. Yeah. You know, Donnie not Johnny Depp. Depp. Like, what the fuck? Um, but yeah, no, I I just thought that that was really like just ridiculous. Mollusk and Pumpkinhead. There's a couple other ones that were pretty, pretty catching. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it starts with that one. And then uh, they wind up asking Elon Musk about it. And Musk is like, I hope that Johnny gets better. I hope that he recovers from this situa- situation. And I hope that both he and Amber Heard move on. And also, if Johnny Depp wants to fight, we should do a cage fight. Yeah, I saw that too. What the fuck is going on? Like, this dude is, this dude's like the guy that's supposed to help us colonize Mars, and he's challenging some aging movie star to a, to a, to a little wrestle. I just find it crazy that the, uh, Elon Musk is, you know, supposed to be this, like, hyper-intelligent guy, you know, uh, that's like the cream of the crop in terms of brains, like the closest thing we have to a real-life analog for Iron Man. And he's challenging Johnny Depp to a cage fight. Could it, you imagine? I want to see it happen. It would make a lot I, of money. You talk about things that you want to play at a bar. I feel like watching Elon Musk and Johnny Depp go toe to toe would be hilarious. Well, I mean, that's but like, it, like the whole concept of uh, you had a rough and rowdy. No, uh, it's rough it, and rowdy. It's, so it's um, it's a bar stool thing. So they have you know, it's basically like. I've seen YouTubers and, and people get on there and, like, try, uh, you know. It's just like a boxing match between people who have feuds. They they, they pick up some random people, too. You know, I think oh the majority are just, like, randos, and they have, like, these little interviews, and they're like, oh, this is my nickname, and I'm going to whoop your ass, blah, blah, And they just have, like, two people who have no experience, and they just go at it in a, in a, boxing, uh, in a boxing ring. I haven't, I haven't watched it. I've just seen, like, snippets of it. So, like, I don't know too much about it but it's basically like that concept like two people have a feud you know neither of them have training just fucking throw them in a ring and let them uh, throw haymakers and embarrass themselves (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i i probably would like to watch that um talking about training though i mean this story it just keeps growing and blossoming out into like an ever more beautiful flower i'm very grateful for this story um so after Elon Musk challenged Johnny Depp to the cage fight, I guess, of all people, Conor McGregor's coach threw his hat in the ring, said, I will train you, Elon Musk, for your fight with Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like, I don't know. Like, here's the thing is this is all talk, right? But imagine that all of these things actually happen, right? Like, imagine that this is some like Johnny Depp responds. He's like, OK, yes, a cage fight. I want in. And then Elon Musk is like, is he serious? Okay, fine. Uh, Conor McGregor's coach, hey, train me. And, like, he goes into training. Elon Musk, like, uh, Johnny Depp has to hire a trainer. I'm sure you he know? gets someone really good as well. Right? They get, like, in a tip-top physical form. They get thrown in the ring together. And then on the day, right, it's like a like a WWE-type event, right? And... And it's like, oh, my God, like, maybe Elon Musk has Johnny Depp down on the ground. And he's got his arm, like, wrenched behind him, you know. And uh, everybody's, like, 
cheering and like and everything and then all of a sudden you hear like this music start building and the lights start to go down and there's like fireworks exploding stage left and then you see coming down the ramp it's mickey rourke mickey rourke is walking there he's dressed up like randy the ram robinson from the wrestler you know he's got the big like fur collar and the long hair he's all like american beefcake and the fucking the the neon green tights you know and he's like hey musk yeah i'm talking to you mr tough guy you know and 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 mickey rourke comes running into the ring and like slides under the thing and starts like pounding on musk and then like him and him and uh and Johnny Depp are like tag team, and then Joe Rogan's like, "You leave Elon Musk alone!" And he comes running in, like, "This is where this is what we this is where we're at. This is what could potentially be happening very soon." Okay, that's a that's a WWE storyline. If I've seen so myself, right? This is like a long con to like revitalize W the WWE, right? Has to be. Yeah, I, this is what they're gonna do. You know, I mean, dude, listen, man, I used to watch a lot of WWF when it was WWF, like a lot, a lot when I was younger. And like some of the best moments is when you got like two or three guys just beating up on one dude. And then like you hear like the music, you know, you hear like the glass shatter, Stone Cold runs down. He starts whooping everyone's ass, you know, comes in to the aid of his friend. Those are like yeah. the best moments. I'm telling you, this is where we're at. Like I, so the Mickey Rourke thing doesn't come out of left field. This is actually something where Mickey Rourke got in on the action, was defending his friend Johnny Depp from Elon Musk, told Elon Musk that he could pick, he should pick on somebody his own size, and I'm like, Elon Musk is a tiny dude. And is he? As far as I'm, I'm aware, I feel like he's small. I feel like when I, he was on Joe Rogan, I was like, you look tiny. Um, but Mickey Rourke is like a giant. So it's like you saying pick on somebody your own size is a weird, it's a weird thing to, to throw out there. Um, but yeah, I, it, it just gets more and more bizarre. The, the internet says Elon Musk is 6'2". Really? That's what, yeah, that's what it says. Wow. Because of Google says. Oh man, I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Either way, Mickey Rourke's got some, some weight on him. Yeah. For well, sure. Let's see if we can get like a, a UFC type card here. Let's see if we can get height and weight. Let's see if we can get range. <laughs> I, 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 I'll go ahead and look this stuff up while you, uh, you know, while you do your thing. No, I just, I, I honestly, it's just such a wild thing, and it, it makes me think of. Um, I think you and I have talked about it before, but uh, celebrity death match. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's what it makes me think of. I'm like, man, we got to bring this back. We got to bring celebrity deathmatch back, just for situations like this, because the world has gotten more and more insane the last few years. I feel like all of this stuff publicly, and like Mickey Rourke not only is challenging Elon Musk to a fight, but I guess him and Robert De Niro are like smacking down, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous. I thought De Niro was above that type of shit, but I guess not. He's like rolling around in the dirt with the pigs too. Mickey Rourke is five eleven. He's 5'11". Yeah. How much weight is is he? Uh, how, how big is he? Because he looks like he's massive. Find, I couldn't find Elon Musk's, but hold on. I'm sure they'll have Mickey Rourke's. Uh, Mickey Rourke and the wrestler. No way. Big right, man. Right now, it says he's the buck 70. No. I don't know if I believe that either. I mean, the guy's 67. No maybe. Maybe. He like, bulked up for the wrestler. The wrestler was 12 years ago. 
Keep in mind. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, you know what? You know what? I have seen pictures of him looking kind of, like, small lately. Uh-huh. So maybe... But if he could if he could get back on the old steroids, get back into wrestler shape, mm-hmm. I feel like he would destroy Musk. Maybe I'm wrong though. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Elon Musk like Elon Musk is taller than I thought he was, and that means that he's also like wider than I, th- I thought he was. Yeah. I don't know. He didn't look that tall standing next to Amber Heard when they were like walking around and holding hands. Which is the whole reason that Johnny Depp was like, I'm gonna cut that dude's dick off. <laughs> you know? You don't hold my girlfriend slash wife wife's hand, you know? Mm-hmm. You don't do that. Stay the fuck away, mollusk. Yeah, I don't know. I just the whole situation is just so ridiculous and so silly. Um Damn, it says it says Elon Musk is two oh five. Really? Yeah. Maybe this dude is Iron Man. Yeah, he's a big dude. Yeah. He's I'm surprised. Got, uh, the size advantage it sounds like over Mickey Rourke, but he's also what about like 15 years younger? How old is he? Yeah, yeah. I feel like maybe maybe I was I was skewed in this, but uh, I don't know. It's just crazy. Like these are these are celebrities who are successful. Uh, Elon Musk is more or less a uh, successful genius celebrity. Um, it, it's a it's a, it's startling. Like in the in the Trump era, uh, how ludicrous everyone has gotten. Like everything has gotten so hyperbolic. It's gotten so personal, and it's just ugly. It's like the ugliest sides of people mm-hmm. are just on full display now. Like we're all reverting back into, you know, the chimps we were. That's the way it seems. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, uh, that's pretty much all I have this week. Um, I guess the other thing was uh, the seeds from China. Very weird. I I just heard about that like a day or two ago. Um, I yeah. didn't know that was happening, but I heard on the radio yeah. that people are getting seeds, and they say, "Don't throw them away. Don't mm-hmm. plant them. Don't eat yep. them." But call, um, I don't know. They said call someone. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. you can just Google it and figure it out. But Just call 911 and be like, what is, they're like, what is your emergency? And you're like, I have seeds. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the police come, they kick your door down. In America, they probably shoot you right there on the spot and then collect the seeds. And keep all of us safe, protecting and serving. Dun, dun, dun. That's like really sad because I feel like if there is any, if there are any pe- people that listen to this show that have like, that are cops or have cops in their family that they love, I apologize. That, that was a very crass thing to say. Uh, and I'm sure that, you know, not all cops are bad. That's just the way that it is. So just a few that ruin it for the bunch. So I apologize. I, 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 I spoke out of turn as I do. You guys know, I, I don't, I don't really have a filter I have remorse. It's a different thing. Um, you guys can't see it, but Ron has a shovel, and he's just digging himself a nice hole deeper. Yeah. And deep. No, I'm just kidding. Every time, every time <laughs> we record one of these, I try to see if I can get a little bit, a little bit further. I'm hoping to eventually wind up in China, 
so I can ask somebody what the fuck those seeds are. Yeah. Um, but it's a long plan. It's going to take a while. But I think I can pull it off. I, I believe in me. We believe in you. WT Fada believes in you. That's all I need. That's all I need. There was a news report, though, that came out that said that all the seeds that they've tested so far are just, like, common, like, herbs, like mint. Uh, there's some flowers, like roses. Um, nothing dangerous. So there's some questions about... I guess there's some type of scheme that customers... Like, I guess you can't review a product unless it's shown that that product was sent to you. So there's a thought that it's somebody that runs like a seed distributor, right? Sent them out to those places, right? Even though it's without consent and they're just showing up, they still were sent to that place. They were still received by that place. And then they would make a fake dummy account that uses that address to say, oh, I got seeds from this, this distributor and five stars, great shipping, all wonderful in horrible broken English so that they can boost their... But, I mean, it's crazy because this is the first time I've ever heard of that. And the... Like, this is the first time I've ever heard of that. And the nature of what those things are. The idea that, like, they could be... They could be planted, and then they could overtake everything, and, like, it could be really bad for our ecosystem, stuff like that. Like, all of that, uh, it does have, like, a scary, like, a like a master plan type, like, vibe to it. Something horrible could be afoot, you know? Yeah. Honestly, man, there's so much shady shit going on that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and uh, I don't fucking trust any of it. No, I don't. I would not put it past for people to try crazy fucking things. Yeah. So no, I don't know. I don't either. I'm just gonna sit here in my normal life, and you know, <laughs> I don't know. Sit back, not, watch, and not garden. Yeah, not plant <laughs> random ass seeds that get sent randomly to me i haven't gotten any no i haven't either thankfully because i know i would plan to everybody's fucking up to something i'm curious i'm just curious i want to see what uh i want to see what it grows into so yeah i don't care what they tell me i'm doing it um so yeah uh you want to throw it to commercial and then we'll jump into the topic let's do it all right cool well we'll be right back guys see ya Hey, 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 it's your girl, Kayla. Can't get enough of the WT Fada Network? Me either. So join me and Ron Beak III for the newest addition to the WT Fada Network at our new podcast, What's the Story? Where we analyze and discuss the art and structure of storytelling. I mean, it gets real deep, folks. So if you're ready to get that brain stimulated, join us. What's the story? Because we can't wait to share our stories with you.
Each and every one of us is on a journey. And we feel that it's important to be on that journey with the people you love. You've been acting so suspicious of our hospitality. Ask the question, John, what the fuck are we talking about? Well, today we're going to be talking about The Invitation. And I'm really excited to talk about this one. This is an awesome movie. It's a movie you showed me, which feels mm. like a really long time ago. So when I saw this movie, it came out in, was it 2015? I was surprised. I believe that's correct, that yeah. Recent. Yeah, no. Um, you know, it's, it's funny there's so many movies like i don't know there's so many movies that fall into almost like the style of the invitation now um but i definitely feel like when the invitation came out it does feel it felt kind of original to me you know Mm -hmm. it wasn't a lot of people doing that genre of like bleak kind of thriller horror movie um in that style at that point but right. since that time, you know, you kind of look at the lodge that we talked about last week. We look at things like uh, Hereditary, um, you know, those different those different kind of movies. And it feels like a lot of horror movies are kind of making that turn towards more of like the art house feel, you know. So this definitely doesn't feel like a processed, manufactured studio movie, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, this is one of the, uh, you know. I always like watching movies not knowing what it's about going into. You know, when I, when I see a movie that's kind of out there, like a posters and the trailers, like I want to see what it's about. But, you know, not knowing what this is about, and that's like the best way to experience this movie because you don't know what mm-hmm. the fuck's going to happen. You don't know what's going on. You're kind of experiencing things as the main character is experiencing them. Right. Yeah. And this whole movie is like one big mind fuck. You know, there's a lot going on. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they have... the. I feel like there's like a lot of storylines kind of happening at once, right? So you have like the main storyline of the, the mm-hmm. you know, it starts with Will and Kira, and mm-hmm. they uh, they invited to Will's ex-wife's and her new man's kind of like um, I think it was just kind of like a get together. Uh, I don't know if I really yeah. said exactly what it was for, but you have that storyline going on, and then like you have the unraveling of the history between will and his ex-wife and that's a whole storyline in itself and it's like there's just so many variables coming into place Mm. you know you almost kind of forget what's going on right in front of you yeah yeah i think that the like that's one of the appeals of the invitation to me is it feels very intimate and very private like you really are being let into a circle of friends you're seeing how everybody interacts with each other and you're realizing like these long-standing relationships you feel them you know and uh 
you even feel the difference between like Kira, who's new, you know, the way that she's interacting with the people at the party versus the way that Will's interacting with them, you know. Um, it's this. It's a real. It just feels very authentic to me, you know. Mm-hmm. We've all been to those types of get-togethers, you know, where like people are splintering off and they're having their own separate conversations and then circling back to the group and then leaving. And you know, and it's like the whole script is kind of like it has intent, it has purpose, but it also feels like very natural in terms of the way the characters like flow in and out of moments. You know, yeah, and then you throw in a couple of people who weren't originally a part of this friend group, who are friends of mm-hmm. um, Eden and David. Yes, and yeah, like they, you know, they kind of just throw it in there, and they don't really explain much. Like, yeah, this is this is our friend, and they don't say mm-hmm. why they're there. You know, that gets addressed later on in the movie, but you just right. supposed to kind of just roll with it. You know, because they 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 throw little things in there that make the audience uncomfortable, and like mm-hmm. that's what's kind of happening to Will as well the main yeah. character uh through this whole thing and you're kind of like what the fuck's you know asking what the fuck's going on but everybody else is just kind of like rolling with the punches just not really questioning anything like there's a lot of things that seem weird to start you know like when yeah. you don't know where this movie's going um when you first when you first see eden and david they you, you almost have a sense that there's some the way by the way that they're acting that there's some ulterior motive for what they're doing here you know they're very very lovable and and the way that they see people they're very like oh my god it is so nice to see you i am so happy you're here and it's like why are you so happy i'm here you know it's one thing like hey man great to see you you know you fucking give a nice little bro hug you know maybe a kiss on the cheek here and then it's like it's great to see you let's fucking pop bottles but then they're like they're just like it's it's so nice to see you yeah, it's like the like thousand it. yard stare, like they're looking through their guests instead yeah, it's of at like, them. Like they have something planned, and like yeah. at first it feels like they're gonna try and get everybody into like some big orgy or something, and this you know, like with the way people are acting, and then you know, there's like a couple moments there where it's like, okay, maybe that is you know, they just want to have one big swinger party. But if, there's obviously if, a lot darker going on. If Eden, Gina, and uh, if 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 Eden and Gina are involved, I'm in. I'll, I'll, I'll join the orgy. You don't have to do much convincing. Ben too. Ben. <laughs> You've always wanted to kiss Ben as well, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I did. It's funny that the 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 schwubby, uh, kind of like more overweight archetype character is Ben. It kind of makes me think of the young Ben from It. No, oh, yeah. A little bit. They didn't even place that together. Yeah, I just realized it now. But yeah, um, yeah, that's kind of funny too. Like the that comparison to it, like it does kind of feel with like the friends all like getting together after a prolonged absence from one another, and mm-hmm. you know, and it's like everybody's it, changed. I mean, obviously, yeah, it, it's like you know, pro- what is it like over a decade since they've seen each other? You know, they were children. Oh, now it's like, they're like blown yeah, it was like tw- it's like yeah. twenty seven years at least. So the this Pennywise like a couple years, yeah, Pennywise like he's on a cycle where it's like he right, eats, eats, right. eats, 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 and then he, like, goes dormant for 27 years and pops back up, you know? Um, but, yeah, this has only been a few years. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's a very interesting 
kind of movie. Just the way that they, they play those character relationships. Everything's very subtle, you know? And I, I very rich. It's very rewarding to, like, sit back down and, like, you know, watch the way that people interact with each other in little little moments. Um, who's the... Why can't I think of the name of... Um, I looked them up right before we did this too, and I'm, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get really upset about myself here. Hang on, Who let me. The, I'm gonna look it up really quick. The guys. Um, yeah, the guys. I can't. I, I almost said Tommy and Gabriel. Tommy's one of them. Is it Gabriel? Uh, I thought it was. Or Mint. Ma- Miguel. Did you say Miguel? Miguel. Miguel. Yeah. Okay. It's like the merging of those two. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, Tommy and Miguel, um, there's a moment where they're sitting on, they're a couple, and there's a moment where they're sitting on the, uh, the couch together, and Claire, um, walks over, and she sits down next to Tommy, and then she, like, leans her body up against him, and is like resting her head on his shoulders and he has one arm around her and one arm around Miguel and that th- that's like one of those little moments those little moments that it's like look at the comfort that these people have with each other mm-hmm. you know the sense that like these relationships stretch very far into the past and it's those little subtleties that make it feel so intimate mm-hmm. you know and I think that that also, when the movie takes the turn, um, I think that that's part of the sense of dread because you know how much everybody cares about each other, you know? So that's always there throughout the film. And then also, when the movie does take the turn, I feel like you feel so close to those people that your sense of adrenaline, your sense of danger, your sense of investment is so high that everything is just it, it, it really is like a, a a very chaotic intense kind of turn you know right and um, it also you know it it, it allows the storyline to unfold and the fact that you know everybody's just kind of being polite and they're kind of brushing all like the weird shit off because i do have mm-hmm. those deep connections it'd be like if our group of friends you know we kind of like something happened and you know it's been a couple of years and then we all got together it's like you know, these are people we know and we trust. And, you know, if something mm-hmm. weird is going on, you know, I'd be like, yeah, whatever, whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'd be polite like most of these people are doing. I wouldn't really question mm-hmm. too much. But, you know, I, I, at some point, things get to be too much. And, you know, that's when things start to really unravel. Yeah. When would it be for you? When would you be like, okay, I gotta watch out? Uh, Probably around the same time Claire dipped. <laughs> I think okay, that'd probably right. be the last straw for me. It's getting a little bit too intimate and stuff. Um, Just like well, actually, a little bit too brash, maybe. Or? Probably like right before she left, because like you know they it, when Pruitt was telling his story, you know, oh, some yeah, guy that they yeah. don't even know, and he's just yeah. like so. Uh, Pruitt is one of David and Eden's friends that they met down in Mexico, correct? Yes, I so believe were, that that's how that works, and that's yeah. how Eden and David met. I is that is that right? I don't know. I, I I can't remember where David came from exactly. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. That would make sense. But but here, 
they they must have they lived in relatively the same area though, because he said he was a coked out uh, record producer or something, right? right? Okay. So I always took that as meaning that he worked locally in the area where Will and uh, Eden lived. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like the sense. L.A. kind of area. So I don't know. They they might have known each other before that, but I'm not positive. Mm-hmm. They might have found the invitation together. You know. Yeah. But so yeah, yeah they, sorry. They, no, that's fine. So that you know, they throw Pruitt into the mix, who nobody knows except for them two, and he tells this really like deep and fucked up story about this time that he murdered his wife, just straight up, and <laughs> yeah. shows zero remorse. And and goes into all this BS about how he forgives himself for it and he's moving on, blah, blah, blah. Like, you can't just do something like that, you know, and act like it mm-hmm. never happened. Yeah, yeah. He, um, you know, he... That, that scene is very chilling and it feels very much like... Um, they're all, like, telling stories and stuff back and forth. It just seems like it comes so far out of left field. Like, why are you bringing this up? Mm-hmm. Like, that, that is fucking nuts and the way that he talks about it is like well i was drinking you know and then she started in on me and then i hit her as hard as i could and she fell down and died yeah like but but it was an accident it's like well you hit her as hard as you could you're a giant first of all pruitt's played by john carroll lynch uh, who is a fucking fantastic actor. He's mm-hmm. been in so many different things. Like, um, he's an American horror story. Um, he plays Arthur Lee Allen in the movie Zodiac. He was also Drew Carey's cross-dressing brother on the Drew Carey show, which was uh, a fun part. He, he got to kind of goof around with that. He wound up dating Mimi Bobek on that show, which is really funny. He, but, um, he was in Walking Dead for a bit, too. Yeah, he's a, he's a fantastic actor. Um, but yeah, I mean, the way that he tells this story, he's like, yeah, it's just one of those things, you know, you come home and you have one of those, those, those fights and, you know, I, I went to go pour another drink and she tried to stop me and he's like, hmm. he's like, something just clicked. He said, I turned around and I hit her as hard as I could. And he's like, and he tells the story in such detail, like he's reliving the moment and he is just like straight faced, no emotion, like just straight sociopath. Hmm about it yeah and it's just yeah. like it's a very a very weird moment and yeah he's yeah it's horrendously detached mm-hmm. from the act you know and it's like that's what it seemed you know because <sighs> eden and will you know they had a kid together you know mm-hmm. when will first walks in he looks into the room and he sees a little kid and you find out that that's just Something that's in his head, right? And it turns out that mm. on their son's birthday, he is killed by one of his friends. It was an accident mm-hmm. from the way that they they tell it, and you know that throws a wrench in their marriage. They have a really tough time mm-hmm. dealing with it, and it seems like these people who are in this cult, you know, who go down to the invitation in Mexico and they jo- they join up, and you know. It, it seems like they all have something that they're running from, you know, trying to come to terms with. And -hmm. that's how they've come together. And then in trying to do that, they get brainwashed into just sinister shit, which we'll get into a little bit later. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, when they first introduce the idea of the invitation, it's pretty much immediately billed by Gina, who, uh, she's, Will's in another section of the house, and he hears Gina scream, and he automatic, he's feeling weird anyways, there's like, the, the locks to the house aren't like normal locks, they're deadbolts that need keys to open from the inside. There's bars uh, on the windows? There's bars on the windows. They're made to look like they're decorative, but yes. a decorative bar is still a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's very conscious of the idea that, like, we are stuck in this house, you know? So he's already on edge. And when Gina yells, he kind of is like, whoa, and he, like, takes off for the living room where she's sitting. And when, like, he comes around the corner, she's saying, oh, my God, you're in a cult. And... uh you know, David is like, no, 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 we're not in a cult. I think you can see Pruitt, like, shaking his head, you know. Um, and that's when they first introduced the idea of uh, what the invitation is. And it is the same type of, like, charlatanism that's found in any cult. Like, the idea of, like, somebody saying, well, you know, if you do this and this and this, then, you're, like, your pain just goes away and everything mm. will be great. But it's never really, like, you might feel like this is a a solution to your pain and your anguish and stuff, but it always is benefiting them more than you. You know what I mean? Like this is, they, they, they teach you these things and they condition you so that eventually you do what they ask you to, you know, that's how cults work. And cults are very good at finding weak and vulnerable people. Right. So you tell David is a, a, a Coke a, a coke addict originally, you know, that was dealing with a lot of shit apparently, and maybe through the invitation, he was they actually helped him get over his habit, right? Like something like that. So he feels indebted to the invitation. It saved my life. Eden tried to commit suicide after the death of her son, right? She's lost, you know. Pruitt was convicted for killing his wife. Got out of prison, probably had nothing, probably couldn't get a job anywhere, like, you know, and the in- he found the invitation, and the invitation said, you can be redeemed, like, you will be okay, and then and, and that saved his life, and then, you know, it's like just that sense of, like, nobody else would have me, so now I'm here, and that sense of, like, warmth and community, because we, we crave that, we need that, mm-hmm. and cults, cults prey on people that are lost, you know? Uh, uh, those are the people that will get taken in by places. I mean, even like, you know, we, we, we're such big fans of Lost, but remember the, the Locke storyline where he wound up on that, like, hippie commune? Yes. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's like they're being like, John, you're so welcome here. You're such a valuable person for us and all this shit. And it's like they were just, they were just growing weed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, they were like John was basically just becoming like a like a a foot soldier for them, more or less. You know, they were using him, but they were, they understood how how bad John's life had been and how displaced he felt and that sense of longing that's just written all over him, and they took advantage of him. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what they're doing here. Exactly, hmm. and it's pretty. It's pretty crazy because, like, you know, it, the the first half of this movie, or I should say, like, the first like three fourths of this movie is it's pretty tame, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like very subtle, and so you kind of like watch this process of these people kind of getting groomed, 
you yes. know, to almost yeah. accept what's going to happen. But obviously right. you can't get people to the level that, you know, Pruitt, Sadie, David, and Eden are on in one night. You know, you can mm-hmm. only make them feel as, as comfortable as possible so that they fall into your trap. And, like, they, they right. did it with that icebreaker game, you know? Yeah. And, and Sadie yeah. starts and she gets up and she's like, you know, I don't know. I know I don't know most of you here, but I just want to say I love you guys. And mm-hmm. she just grabs Gina by the face and she kisses her and, like, you know, kind of, like, breaks the ice there. You know, she does something that's kind of yeah. shocking, but, like, Gina rolls with it. She's cool with it. And then Gina's like, yeah, I fucking want coke <laughs> and then they david's like oh i'll get some and she's like no 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 i'm joking and he goes no you're not she goes yeah i'm not bring it out and i it gets yeah. everybody ends riled up everyone's like okay cool you know this is like we can just relax and be comfortable and be ourselves and then right. that's where pruitt decides to tell his story and that hits people like a fucking freight train you know and yeah it's like whoa what the fuck is going on and then eden that's when she decides to break that tension and distract them by saying, I want to kiss someone. I want to kiss Ben. I've always wanted to. And like knowing Ben, he gets up and he's like all for it. And she grabs him by the face, a little peck at first. And then she brings him back in and has this very passionate kiss. And then everybody's just kind of like, they forget about that fucked up story that Pruitt just told. And everyone's just kind of like back in party mode, you know. They kind of just like let that shit slide. Yeah, that's what's what you know. What you're talking about is something that I really, I think this film does super well, and I, I do think it probably is owed to the screenplay for it. But also, I mean. I don't know, a director has a large part in, like, helming it, and somebody else, somebody less talented than Karen Kusama probably could have fumbled this. But I think the genius in the script is the sense that, like, here's this dread, 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 relief. Over and over. Dread, 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 relief. Dread, relief. And this yo-yoing back and forth, where it's like, you can't even tell whether or not, like... There's points in that movie where you don't know whether Will is crazy or whether something bad is happening. Yes. You can't tell. Right. So one of the one of the things that we haven't talked about yet is is about um this character Troy. Yes. So Troy is dating Gina and they're like, "Oh, Troy never shows up." You know, as far as they know. And, mm-hmm. you know, we also have to keep in mind here that they are in the hills of L.A. And the service is just atrocious. Like, they barely get it. So, no one has any... They can't call him. They can't figure out where he's at. But, like, yeah, yeah. this isn't unlike Troy. You know, he said he was going to be early, but he's always notoriously late. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's some question about where Troy is. And there's a part in the movie where, you know, Will is outside. He wants to make a phone call. He gets service. He finds out that he has a voicemail that Troy was there at 7 o'clock. He was early, and he asked him mm. if he could pick up dessert because he forgot it. And it's mm. like, oh, my God, Troy was there. He said he was going in, and then you're like, you know, Dick, okay, this, is, this isn't Will being crazy. Like, something is seriously wrong here. Yeah. So they're having, like, their little birthday dinner and for um, Miguel. I think it was Miguel's birthday, like, a week later. Yeah, Eden definitely said Miguel gets the first piece. Yeah. So I think that makes sense, yeah. 
And I believe that's where Will freaks out about Troy. Yeah, he can't hold he can't hold it together anymore, and he's just like, "Where's Troy?" It's like like completely like <laughs> like just cuts off other people talking. Where's Troy? Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a great moment because he feels like he has the. It's like a lawyer that is putting up on display like the key piece of evidence that's going to get somebody sentenced. Mm-hmm. You know. That's how it feels. Like, he finally has collected the proper evidence. This is how you close the case. There is something fucking wrong here. Mm-hmm. And he goes off, and it's such a great off. scene. And yeah. he, he says multiple times, he's like, something is seriously wrong here, and nobody's talking about it. Everyone, he's like, I don't know why the fuck everybody's being polite, yeah. but this is bullshit. And, yeah. you know, he's almost- like, He's like... My favorite thing is like he's like yeah nobody wants to talk about it nobody wants to bring it up because because David brought out some good wine yeah you know <laughs> it's like such a great moment it's so intense and then almost on cue the doorbell rings yeah and and walks yep. Troy explains that he yeah. did get there early and he got a phone call from work and then things got crazy you know they don't really dive into it very much um, hmm. they kind of just gloss over it but. So, like, we we will backtrack a little bit back to that game mm. that they played. Yeah. And the, uh, Claire. Yes. She decides she wants to leave, right? And Dave right. and Eden are like, stay. No, you need to stay. You know, just right. please hang out, stay. And then that's when Will right. stands up. And he's like, dude, just fucking let her go. Like, let yeah. her do what she wants. Let her get right. out of here. And right. This scene was really weird. So, like, they let her go, and it just so happens that Pruitt is parked behind her. So he goes out with her, and I, I had to replay this scene a couple times to kind of see what happened. And, right. you know, he lets her out, and then she pulls forward again behind, I think it was another car. So she could, like, I straighten think they, out or something. There was something Eden and, Eden and Will's old house is like a... Uh, I don't know what it is, but like in the Hollywood Hills it's like up a area, hill or like something. there's a hit. They're all on hills, and then also all of the there's big walls around yeah. a lot of the properties. So they have like a gate to their driveway, and on either side of the gate is a big wall. So it's like about ten feet tall. You can't see through it. You know, it has like ivy, I think, growing on the top of it. You know, so she pulls up and she winds up going just past that, and then that's when Pruitt runs around. He like stops her for a second, and then. David asks Will to have a conversation. In the mm-hmm. middle of the conversation, Pruitt walks in, and he's like, yeah, you know, I, I wanted to apologize to her for the, the story that I told that made her uncomfortable, and she seemed understanding. And then, like, that's that. So, yeah, I don't know if you read this, but apparently they filmed a scene where he attacks Claire in the bushes and kills her. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that they did not put that in. Yes, because like, what my point was going to be anything after that where they're still kind of gaslighting us wouldn't have had the impact that it did. No. Yeah. That, that's a horrible, I'm surprised that that was even in the script because I feel like everything is so well considered Mm -hmm. that the idea of them revealing that at more or less the halfway point where if you just take that one scene out, you would, you get what you wind up in this movie, which is every, a, a high wire act for 95% of the movie and then they let the air out of the bag mm-hmm. like it, it, the last the last 5% of the movie they're like oh yeah here 
you know, your greatest fears are realized, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, the idea that they would do that in the middle of that is fucking horrendous. What a what a piss poor decision that would have been. Oh, absolutely. But I think yeah. you know that was worth noting that they actually had filmed that scene, but they never followed through with putting it in the script. So I can't believe that because I feel almost like that. Uh, I feel like it's so well handled, like the way that they the way that they kind of like lay that whole sequence out, even the way that uh, nice. Um, sorry, I said nice guys. <laughs> John has a has a nice coffee. He showed it to me. I was like, "That's a good move." Um, Haley walked in with a nice coffee yeah. that she gave to me, so I got excited and showed it on the screen. I apologize. My no, it's okay. Shout out, shout out to Haley. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I uh, I love the way that that scene is set up because it's like <laughs> Will is still watching very intently at like. He's still, he's like, there is something wrong. There is something wrong. And he's not comfortable. And he's making, he even asks if she wants to be walked to the car. Yeah. She's like, do you want me to walk you to the car? And she's like, no, it's only 40 feet. And then she goes to leave and Pruitt's like, oh, hang on. I got to move my car. And just like exits the house with her. And it's like, God damn it. Like, you wish that she had said, yes, Will, please walk me to my car. And it's you know? crazy how calculated that is, too. Mm-hmm. With him mm -hmm. being the last one. To, so Pruitt's the last one to show up. Right. Obviously, Troy, yeah. you know, ran something, and he was, like, way late. But, I mean, they had him block them in on purpose. Yeah, I almost wish that they had gotten a little bit more into that, where David was late for the party, too. Because I feel like a standard driveway is two cars wide. Right. I was thinking so the same thing. if David was, like, if she was, like, we realized that we didn't have any any more wine or like well maybe not wine because they seem like the type of people that probably have like an actual dedicated wine fridge wine but cellar like, yeah like maybe they have maybe they have something that is like a requirement for the party mm -hmm. so when they all arrive it's just eden and eden's like oh david will be back he had to run to the store but i guess there's traffic or whatever right um so David would show up shortly after everybody had arrived. Like, maybe she even calls to see where he is. That's what she says. Eden's like, oh, you know what? I'm going to call him and see if he's back, you know? And she calls, and she's like, hey, where are you? And she's like, oh, okay, cool. And she hangs up, and she's like, oh, he's just down the street. Because in reality, what was happening was David is, like, waiting just, like, a couple blocks away. And her calling him to be like, where are you, means everybody's here. So, pull in. And then, 45 minutes later, Pruitt shows up. So then you have David and Pruitt's cars are both blocking the driveway. So if anybody gets out of the house, they would have to drive over, you know, the hedges. Yeah. And bust through that gate to escape, you know? I think the only hold with that would be is just, like, the lack of cell service. You know, I don't know if there's, like, maybe there's, like, a certain part up there that gets service yeah. all the time you know maybe they walked like the northeast corner of the backyard <laughs> but uh yeah um yeah that's true no, also because I, I thought the troy troy being late for the party like if if troy didn't show up then it would be like well then david never even gets to come to the party right they're still mm -hmm. waiting for troy to show up in his car mm -hmm. you know but you could rework the script a little bit to try to like do something yeah. like that mm -hmm. but um because it does feel almost like scattershot, like the fact that Claire just happens to be the only car that's blocked by Pruitt. So it's like that's the order true. of it, it like it, it's it, it's a it's a neat moment, but also it's just like logically, it's like what a what a coincidence. Because mm -hmm. he could have said, "I'm parked behind you," 
Uh, and he could have gone out and been not parked behind her. It's just, uh, it's weird. You would think that if, if one person was parked behind her, that there's a good possibility. It's just by chance that she happened to show up after the people that were in front of her in that line of cars. Well, it's weird right? that he, like, knows that she drives the Prius, too. Yeah. Because he, I, she goes to leave, and he goes, oh, are you in the Prius? I'm behind you. Mm-hmm. Something seems a little calculated there that I, I, I can't find a reason why that maybe they be. just Maybe they just know Claire would be the first person to get uncomfortable. That's what I was thinking, too, because... The other, um, their their friends didn't really seem surprised that she would want to get out of there. They're like, yeah, she's just, like, weird. Like, we, yeah. you know, don't even worry about her. You know, and then yeah. Will, Claire, Will, God help her, is sexually awkward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why she left. <laughs> you know, and then it seemed like they aren't, weren't surprised that Will and Kira were the last ones to show up, too. You know, it's right. almost like... They took everything into consideration and like, you know, it's not a foolproof plan, but it's the best they could come up with and everything yeah. seemed to fall in place. You know, I don't know, but. Well, it's, <sighs> a, it's amazing because that whole moment, you know, the whole thing hinges on. <clears throat> it hinges on nobody else needing to move their car. Mm-hmm. Like if Pruitt, if it was Pruitt and Ben both had to move their car to let Claire out, then I don't think Pruitt would have had the opportunity to kill her. I think she would have just escaped, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I don't get the sense that they really would have wanted that to happen. But also, I don't think that killing her without everybody else is what they wanted to have happen either. So yeah. I don't know. It, it seems like a, like a very like loose, like, I don't know if this is working, you know? Like, <laughs> I don't know if we're... we're uh, actually following through with what our plans actually were initially at that point, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, uh, both, both of those are great moments. Um, you know, that and, and Troy, uh, coming back to the party and, you know, will finally coming to terms with himself. Um, he winds up having like a heart to heart with Kira and he pretty much says, I, you know, I should have done more to protect my son. Mm-hmm. And you realize how badly it's affected him. Like now he's processing everything as potentially life threateningly dangerous, um, which is part of the reason he's so on guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and this whole thing, like Troy showing up, is sort of a moment where it's like, wow, like I really am letting my mind get carried away with me in terms of this trying to be proactive and stuff and he winds up saying to kira that since his son died he's pretty much been waiting to do it too yeah you know like it's such a uh it's such a sad um such a sad place for him to be in and the fact that um you know i i think for a moment there you almost are wondering if that's what the movie's about like if it's just about somebody that's processing grief and uh, maybe it isn't, maybe it's going to be an art house movie where it's like, yeah, we're toying with you. We're making you think that, uh, something horrible is going to happen, but it's actually, no, everything's totally normal. This is just about somebody consumed by their guilt and by their grief, uh, and the effect that that can have on somebody. But the invitation isn't 
isn't comfortable stopping there you know like they feel like it's the alfred hitchcock thing if you like put a gun on the table and act one it's got to go off in act three you know so they've already introduced the idea that something's seriously seriously wrong and if they don't make good on that you're going to feel a little bit let down you know might still be an it might still be an interesting movie but you kind of need the uh the explosion so the explosion does come and basically will's kind of gone off into the house uh to his son's old room and i is it made clear did they like completely change the old room or did he go into another one after he visited his son's room because I feel like he winds up in the he winds up in the office mm-hmm. and he's just sitting there like on the floor looking dejected, and I feel like what they're trying to say is that that was the son's old room, but because Eden is like pain is you know like suffering is optional and everything, and she's like actually no it's not even that it's pain is optional is what she says, mm-hmm. um, which is a, like almost an inverse the thing is uh, pain is inevitable suffering is optional like you have to deal with pain. It's going to come. Um, but what the invitation tries to preach is that you can just turn off your pain. You don't have to feel anything, um, which is great for the people around you that, you know, have to deal with a sociopath forever. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> like, the the I get the sense almost that she's like, no, I turned off my pain. I, told, I turned off my pain. I don't feel it anymore. So I just went in the room and I gutted it, and now it's an office, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like... I think he goes into that room like to grieve and then he finds that all of that stuff is just gone. All of his son's stuff is gone. Like he never even existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he winds up going on to a computer that's in that room yep. and he sees a video message from the guy that kind of leads the cult. And this guy uh is played this is a really fun thing uh he's played by toby keith um now toby keith uh looks real stern and scary he definitely has that like cult leader kind of vibe right um definitely more so than the girl's father in the lodge who i thought looked like uh the dude from Eagleheart. um <laughs> Like he just said, like that the lodge cult leader guy with the like long hair and it was like kind of like his roots were all gray, and he had the beard. He just he looked dumb. I didn't like that at all. In it was the like lodge? from like a in the lodge they showed like the video clips oh, okay, when yeah, they were yeah. researching. I I didn't like that at gotcha. all. Gotcha. But this this guy actually looks like a legit cult leader. Um, a legit cult leader. That's a funny phrase. Um, uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> Toby Keith plays the cult leader. Toby Keith, John, have you watched any King of the Hill? Very, very little. Okay. Have you ever seen Hank Hill's father, Cotton? No. Okay. Uh, how about his neighbor, Khan? No? No, sir. Damn! You gotta <laughs> catch up on King of the Hill, my friend. It's a hidden gem. Um, That's what I hear. Yeah, so if people are listening to this podcast and are friends at King of the Hill. Uh, Khan and Cotton Hill are both voiced by the same guy whose name happens to be Toby Keith. So the cult leader in the invitation is Cotton Hill. As hard as that is to believe. That's a fact. (laughs) Um, 
so yeah I, I just every time i see him i'm like ah yeah um but yeah uh will winds up watching this video and the cult leader's pretty much saying like tonight's the night our dreams are realized our faith is rewarded and all this stuff sounds very much like there's some plan close at hand um will gets called back out of the room by pruitt who's like hey it's time for what who knows yeah um the way that scene is shot with him walking him up there it's almost like it's like his last like this is it like we're walking you to your doom the way it's yeah shot, dead it's... man <laughs> yeah dead man walking on the green mile yeah that's that's what it felt like mm. it was like it because in, in the way that they 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 filmed it even even though he just kind of watched that video it, it almost like I got a sense that he was just like accepting it. He was like, "This is it," you know. Especially after that scene where he talked about how he's been waiting to die since his son died. Hmm. And I don't know. In that, it was just like a, a very quick moment, you know, while he was walking off. Yeah. Like, is he just like ready? You know. Yeah. Because like that's what I, they I, were trying to groom them all, like to to be more accepting of it. You know. Yeah, I think uh, that the internal contradictions. Um, I, I love internal contradictions with characters. Like I think that they're 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 beautiful because I think that contradictions are human. You know, like that's just the way that we are. Um, so the idea of him very very soon before this like final walk, uh, the idea of him saying he's been waiting to die, and then the fact that like this opportunity is right there, right in front of him, mm-hmm. like he could do it. But I think he looks around the table. And he looks at his friends, and he looks at the people who he believes are plotting to take them away, and he finds a reason to fight, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that his own internal grief can't stop the fact that he is, in, so, he, in some ways, you know, he's heroic. He's, a, he's, a, he's somebody that's trying to protect people. His entire life was turned upside down over the guilt of not being able to protect somebody that he loved. And now it's the choice. It's do I do I grant myself the wish of being gone, right? Or do I not allow what happened to my son to happen to anybody else? If there is a tragedy that I can prevent, should I do it, you know? And he makes the heroic choice. He says, yes, you know, I should. So they all get poured... Uh, like i guess wine in small small little crystal glasses and they're about to do like a toast and david and eden are like kissing and david's like look at these people everybody look around at each other you know it's like weird kind of like you know yeah your last moments on earth like staring into each other's eyes yeah take a drink and uh they wind up doing like the, the the they're just about to do it and uh Will jumps up from the table and he starts, he's just like, don't drink it, don't drink it. And he starts like smashing the crystal glasses out of everybody's hands. Such a great, such a great, like when he loses it is some of my favorite stuff in the movie. I just love the intensity. He's Logan Marshall Green. A lot of people say that he's, he looks like the Amish Tom Hardy in, <laughs> uh, in the invitation. I, I see it 100%. I see it. He also was in uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, as the first version of the Shocker, um, the one that Michael Keaton winds up 
uh, blasting with that disintegrating oh. ray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has a longer beard in that, and his head's shaved, but that's also him. But I love Logan Marshall Green. I had never seen him in anything, I don't think, until I watched The Invitation, and I was like, who is this guy? Like, holy shit. Um, did, did you... um? Did you read that there was supposed to be, like, a whole different cast? Yeah, I read that just... I, I had never heard that until today. But, yeah, Luke Wilson. Luke Wilson, right? Johnny Galecki, Topher Grace, and... Yeah, what's his face? Zachary uh, Quinton? Z- was that it? Is that his name? Zachary Quinto, yeah. Quinto, okay. I almost wonder, too. I, I was trying to pick apart who would be who, and I was like, well, maybe Johnny Galecki would be somebody like Ben... And maybe Topher Grace would be Eden's new husband, something like that. And then I was looking at Zachary Quinto, and I was like, maybe he's like a, another version of um, Pruitt. I was originally like, well, maybe he's one of the one of the fellas in the relationship there. But I was like, no, nah, that's like too narrow minded. Like, like who? Like, I know that Zachary Quinto is gay, but like, let's let's remove from that and just say like, who should he play? And I was like, some overpowering force, right? Like Zachary Quinto is a pretty intense looking guy. I was like, maybe he could be Pruitt, which yeah. is funny because it would be a trade off of one American horror story actor for another mm-hmm. in that case, you know? Yeah. I think I'd see him more as like a David, you know, he has that very, he has like a very charming look mm. that based on, you know, that he could like flip a switch and turn it from very charming to very scary really quick. And I also, yeah, I that, could see that, that they, that they wrote that part of Pruitt for with John Carroll Lynch in mind, like yeah, they that for him, they said he's a he's so good and like he's just so ominous, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, that's that's a that makes sense. Um, yeah, I I could see I could see Quinto as David. He definitely has a a, a quality about him that would work. Mm. I see, I've seen Zachary Quinto with a shaved head. A couple of times, and I'm like, I kind of want that guy to be Lex Luthor at some point in a Superman movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like he'd be really like, uh, he just looks like super smart, very strong, and uh, looks like he could be like he could put Superman, like give Superman a run for his money mm-hmm. kind of dude. You know, I feel like it would be a cool matchup. Yeah, better than Jesse Eisenberg for me. <laughs> I, I, Jesse Eisenberg just doesn't feel like Lex Luthor to me but whatever side side topic but yeah that was weird that that article came out via deadline in may of 2012 and by the time the movie was shot in 2014 all of those people were gone from the cast it's very strange very strange i don't know why i don't know what happened but um i can definitely say that i wouldn't prefer them because i like the fact that most of these people i don't recognize i agree you know John Carroll Lynch is the only one that, like, stands out as, like, that's a star, you know? Everybody else is like, no, they're just those people, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that's great. But, yeah, Will stands up, Logan Marshall Green losing his mind. Don't drink it! Don't drink it! You know? Um, and uh, the moment for me, the the moment that I love is... In the midst of him saying, like, we're leaving, we're leaving right now, you see, who's the girl that uh, that's also been hovering around that's new? Um, Sadie? 
Sadie, yeah, Sadie. Which yeah. any girl named Sadie, you got to watch out for. That's like a that's a red flag. Yeah. Uh, shout out to all of our Sadies. Um, yeah, no, I, I always associate it with the the girl gang member from the last house on the left. Um, oh yeah. So I always like that's always where my mind goes anytime I hear the name Sadie. I kind of my skin crawls a little. Um, although I like that name, like it's used in Red Dead Redemption 2 for Sadie Adler, um, who's a great character with a heart of gold, um, and she's tough as nails, but she's not, she's not bad. So maybe, maybe I spoke, maybe I spoke out of turn again. Why do I always do that? Um, yeah, no, I, I, Sadie Adler's like the exception of the rule, maybe. But, um, but yeah, like my favorite moment in that is her sitting there and being like, you ruined it. You ruined it, you know? She, like, starts freaking out, and you're like, what What do you mean by it? You know? Like, what are you referring to? Mm-hmm. It's the first time you're actually, like, let in on, like, there is something going on. Right. And she, like, goes bounding across the room, and she's, like, slapping Will and shit, and he winds up, like, at a certain point, he kind of, like, sidesteps her, and I don't know, like, maybe he pushed her, um, but she definitely, like, goes kind of, like, flailing across the room and she smashes her head off of a dresser and falls down and everybody goes into action really fast Pruitt's like oh I've seen this before so he runs over and he's like trying to like check her vitals and stuff and Miguel is actually like some type of doctor um so he runs over and he's working on her and stuff and um he's saying like get something to put under her head and then somebody's like she's not breathing and he's like no she's breathing and then they're like no not her Gina and then the camera pans over, and Kira is standing there looking at Gina. Gina's head is, like, down on the table. She has foam just flowing out of her mouth because she didn't say cheers. She just drank the wine. So she, like, drank ahead of Will having his episode. Mm-hmm. And she has been 100% fucking poisoned. Yeah. Uh, such a great reveal. Crazy moment. Mm-hmm. Miguel's immediately like, I don't know who Sadie is. Fuck this bitch. Runs over. I was, dude, uh, I was going to say that. <laughs> like, immediately, like, fuck Sadie. Yeah. And they go over to yeah. Gina and, like, it's Sadie's great. just left for dead. Yeah. She gets um, yeah, but so he's, like, working on her. Um, they're like, we got to call 911. We got to call 911. And, like, as that's happening, David just, like, he seems, like, really, like, solemn. Like, everything's, like, He's just like accepting like that's like it's not gonna go the way he wants it to, and he just like walks out of the room. Miguel is like giving her mouth to mouth and CPR. Gina is not responsive at all. Um, and then all of a sudden, a shot rings out. And you see David standing there with a the smoking pistol, and Miguel falls forward. And from that point on, all hell breaks loose. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a wild ending to that story. It is so fucking intense. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, well, from there, um, you know, because he, he David he shoots Miguel, and then you see Pruitt, and it almost looks like he's trying to be like, "Hey, put down the gun. Let's not <laughs> yeah. do this." Yeah. And like you know, he slowly takes the gun away, and then boom, he shoots. Boom. Um, who the fuck? Who did he shoot? Tommy? Not Tommy. Uh, Troy. He shoots Troy. Yeah. Kills yeah, I him. Think, yeah. Troy is the first one. Yeah, he shoots Troy, and then it's just like, all right, he wasn't trying to de-escalate the situation. He's like, no, I want to be the one to fucking kill people. Yeah, I haven't killed anybody since my wife. Yeah. 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 So everyone's scrambling. You know, this is obviously somewhere where Will used to live. So him, Kira, and Ben, they run downstairs. 
Ben runs off and they're like, no, Ben, follow me this way. Ben doesn't follow him that way. And Will and Kira run down the hallway. Eventually, you know, that's locked doors everywhere. Mm-hmm. Nowhere they can really go. Sadie attacks them. You know, they, mm-hmm. they manage to get away from her. And they get outside. And then I believe it's David tackles Ben mm-hmm. out into yeah. the yard. Yeah. And stabs him to death. Yeah, he stabs him in the back. Uh-huh. And then I always feel like he stabs him kind of dead center. So I, when like he does that, they show Ben, and he kind of is moving with his arms and rolls himself over with his arms. So I, I always get the sense that he's like paralyzed at that point. And that's when Pruitt's walking out, and Pruitt aims the gun. And Ben's like, no, 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 please. And then, bam, Pruitt kills Ben. Yep. It's fucking unforgivable because Ben's just so lovable. Yeah. And then Will looks at Kira, and he like he's you know one of the lines he says to her stood out was like you know we're just we're gonna do whatever it takes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um. <sighs> so from there, I believe, do they make their way upstairs? Yeah, they kind of go all over the place because I think he he thinks that there's some type of door. There's a door. I don't I don't remember where he said it connected to yeah i don't because it's weird that they they go upstairs to reach a door but before that they find sadie who's she has a fire poker and she's sitting on a couch and she's just like hyperventilating looks like she's dying but we don't know from what i read she was like from drinking the poison maybe she drank a little bit of it so it took her longer to die i don't know yeah it's kind of left unexplained because she hits her head Mm -hmm. but i don't feel like in her fight with will because there's the first the first match between them is right before she hits her head. The second match is when they're in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Um, she bites him on the shoulder. Yep. Um, but he just kind of shoves her. I don't feel like anything like mortal wounding happens. She I know that have... she. Yeah. I was just gonna say. Yeah. You, you yeah. It. You she it. slashed. She slashed Tommy upstairs across the chest, and we don't see what Tommy did in retaliation. But we do know that Tommy's alive later. Exactly. So whatever he did was probably a pretty good move. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. She did have a lot of blood all over her. Yeah. You know? Like in the stomach torso region. So I don't know if Tommy maybe gave her like a solid shanking. Um, so that could be. But yeah. Um, what do we have from there? It's kind of, it's so, it happens, it all happens so fast. I know, like um, I was saying, there's like a lot of, it's, like I said, the movie is pretty tame up until that point, and then it's just complete chaos. But then, you yeah, know, we have, off. we have Pruitt, he goes up to the room where Will and Kira are trying to get out, and they don't have anywhere to go mm. from there. And uh, Will and, and Pruitt kind of get into it, and then Kira, it looks like she has a wine bottle. And I believe it's a wine bottle, right? You know what, I think it's a fire extinguisher. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's. Um, I'm pretty sure it's a fire extinguisher. Some heavy, some whatever, some heavy object, and she just smashes yeah. Pruitt right in the yeah. head, and he drops to his knees, and it's 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 like a very deserving way for him to go because mm-hmm. he struck down his wife, you know, and then yes. you have Kira who's just standing over to him, and it's not just like a quick bang, he's dead, you know, she just. No smash you know and you can see like the damage and he looks up and he starts to like groan yeah and like whimper and it's just like oh it's you know i know this dude's a piece of work 
But just hearing like somebody suffer like that, it just kind of gives you the chills. And then she's just yeah. boom. It takes like three or four, you know, like the almighty boom until he yeah. finally meets that his last, maker. That last John Carroll Lynch, the like the one that grows. It starts like real quiet, like it's like, uh, and and yeah. then it starts growing, and it's like it, it's just, uh, mm. and then she finally like whacks him in the head, and it stops. And it's like thank God because mm-hmm. that fucking noise is horrendous, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like it all goes down really quick. You wind up with, um, I think David. Does David get killed by Tommy? Yes. Yeah, I think he gets stabbed by Tommy. Yeah, so which I imagine might be the way that Sadie went too. Yeah. Right? So before that, though, you know, once Prue is dead, Eden shoots Will in the shoulder, and then turns the gun yeah. on himself and shoots himself in the stomach, which I thought yeah. was really weird. Yeah, I don't dumb, know dumb that, move. I don't know if that has some type of symbolism to do with like her losing her son. I don't know. Could. Could. I, I couldn't figure it out, but yeah, she shoots herself in the stomach, and that's when David has to walk upstairs, and they have the gun, and they could have just mm-hmm. shot him right there, but Tommy, you know, he gets revenge for Miguel. He's the one that yeah. takes out David. Yeah. I, um... It's a, it's, it's a crazy ending. Um, has Will and Eden kind of talking about their son. Um, finally kind of, you know, her admitting how much she really does miss him that like the pain didn't go away. Um, you know, it's really sad, uh, the way that, you know, she kind of is morphed into this cult member, but it's like, it's not, the cult didn't fix it. You know what I mean? It didn't make it better. It Mm -hmm. just made her pretend it was, you know? And she realized Um, this, you know, while, you know, far too late, you know, once, mm -hmm. Everyone started like scrambling and, and people were murdering each other. She there's a scene when she's with David and she's like, This is wrong, this is wrong mm-hmm. and he's like, No, they said it would be hard, you know, we gotta do this, we gotta do this, we gotta do this. Yeah. And um you know, I think when mm. I think she forces herself to shoot at Will and when she hits him, luckily it's not a kill shot, but you know, I think she kinda like snaps out of it at that point and is like No. Turns it yeah. on herself and yeah, um, Kira, Tommy, and Will are the ones that get to exit the house on Eden's request. She wants to go out and see the stars, um, so they go out and they lay her on the lawn, and it's sort of them, you know, coming down from this very, very intense sequence of events. Tommy says he wants to go in the house and get Miguel, and he leaves Will and Kira standing there, and then probably one of my favorite endings in a movie in a while um is will is looking out kind of past the camera and all of a sudden he's like kira and kira's like what and he's like look and earlier on in the film kind of right before um i think it was when will was watching the video about tonight's the night our faith will be rewarded and all of that stuff somewhere right around in that area um, he sees David walking out onto the lawn and David's carrying a lantern and he brings it out and he puts it up and then he lights it and it's this red lantern that's glowing like kind of like this like magenta-y red, really brilliant outside. It's just a weird detail 
you don't really think anything of it. It's just the lawn decoration, right? But now in context of everything that you've seen, right? Uh, it feels like maybe that is a a signal or a symbol of their plan coming to fruition, right? So he's like, Kira, look. And Kira turns and she's looking out. And then you start to hear the sounds of the sirens and helicopters flying overhead. And then they show the Hollywood Hills. And like as far as the eye can see, you can see red lanterns glowing in the darkness of the hill. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's kind of where they leave us. The idea being so that good. this happened everywhere on this night. Like this is a big mass casualty event. Dude, this shit um, was exposing Hollywood years ago. They're yeah, like, I listen, know. this is the all, real deal. They're like, this is the Hollywood Hills. It's like, it's not yeah. just this one thing. Like, these people are all fucking nuts. They're all in this giant cult. They do really bad shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's such a great, it's almost like a Twilight zone kind of ending. Where you're like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> it wasn't just like this small group of people. Like, this happened. And, and for me, I'm like... Well, if it happened so much in this one small area, then the, the only the, uh, the the only logical conclusion that the, is that this is massive and worldwide, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like that the invitation was centered on just this one section of Hollywood. Well, it means that everywhere this has happened. And it's it's weird because it's like how do you get so many people in one area to go along mm. with this plan? You know. Right it's it's everyone in that section right and it's like they all did it on the same night it's like they're all part right. of it you know it's like well you, know, it's just you can lot. either you can either think of it that way or you have to think well if there's that many lanterns in this one small section mm-hmm. then that means that it has to be like that all across the country all across the world right you know so it's you know this is something that they went down to and, and, and took part in, in Mexico, right? That's where they found right. out about this. But it's like right. the chances of having all those people in that same area go down, you know, and do right. that. It seems like there was it's like a yeah. lot more to it. So it must have, like, I always am like, on one night in the history of the world, like 10,000 dinner parties were had. You know, like everybody yeah. was like, "What are you doing? What are you doing next Thursday?" And they're like, "Oh, we're going to a dinner party with some old friends." And they're like, "Really? No mm-hmm. shit, I am too. That's what I'm doing Thursday night." Yeah, yeah me too. Yeah. And everybody's like, "Is everybody? Has anybody noticed how many dinner parties are being thrown this Thursday?" And, it's like, and then the plot unfolds. Like everybody's like, uh, like the whole plan just falls apart because everybody's like, "I am suspicious <laughs> of the number of dinner parties that are being held." Yeah, you know? and it's like you gotta imagine if it, you know it's everybody in that one little area. There's people that are getting doubled up invites. It's like, oh, I yeah. want it. You know, I'm the one that wants to kill Will. I'm inviting him to mine. Like, no, I'm gonna invite him to mine. <laughs> everybody. And it's like, dude, I got yeah. invited to like six dinner parties tonight. <laughs> From all all friends that I have a tragic history with, I don't know, I don't know what that what that means. I think that might be some kind of problem. So, um, I, I I do I do really love the invitation. I think it's one of those truly great films that's come out in like the last ten years. Yep, I agree. 
I was actually, you know, I, 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 the only time I watched this was when you introduced it to me, however long ago. And then mm-hmm. when you said we were going to do it again, I was like, all right, cool. You know, I'll, just, I'll, I'll put it on again. And I put it on and, you know, everything just started coming back to me the way this movie broke down. And I was like, damn, I'm actually like, pretty fucking excited to watch this movie again. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. I, I honestly, like we did the Destroyer podcast, which was another Karen Kasama uh, film. And I love that one, too. Um, she's just she's an amazing uh, filmmaker. You know, I, I, I really want to see more from her. Um, I, I just I never feel like the <clears throat> I never feel like disengaged in a Karen Kusama movie. Mm-hmm. I'm always like super invested in the characters. I think she has a really unique take on life and humanity. She's very primal. The way that she kind of thinks about people is very primal. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy it a lot. There's a beauty to it and uh, a violence to it as well. Those that those two things, beauty and violence, like you put those. That's like where I'm operating. I like that. I like things that are simultaneously like, wow, that's like really intense and and like garish. But also, it's like somehow speaking of like an inherent an inherent truth about people. There's like power in that. I you was know? gonna say that we yeah. are animals. You know, mm-hmm. it shows polar opposites. Yeah, you know? yeah. That tension does something to me. That's why you know I, I, anything that's like that. Like even like uh, I bring up. I always say like Nicholas Winding Refn's film Drive is a big one, uh, where it's like that movie is simultaneously beautiful, heartfelt, and uh, an awesome action movie with some over-the-top violence, like completely over-the-top violence. Um, I, I, I always, that's where I operate. That's like my, that's my candy. Mm-hmm. That's what I love. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like that was a good one. I had fun doing this one. Yeah, this is a really fun movie to talk about and break down because there's just so much going on. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it really, they, they, they jam-packed it so much. Um, and I feel like everything is top-notch. Directing, writing, performances, um, cinematography, like the whole fucking thing. It's beautiful, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll wrap it up and uh, just say thank you guys for listening. Shout-out to Singapore. Who's the, they're the latest country to join our merry little wagon, uh, and we're happy to have you. Um, that's very exciting. I don't know. We're we're it's we're, exciting we're to, very to get listeners from different places, new places. It it always is, and we're so grateful to all of you guys because it it feels really makes us feel like we're doing something. You know, it would be one thing if it was just me and John sitting here. <laughs> having a conversation nobody was listening but the fact that people actually are listening makes me feel good yeah. it, it's just a nice little uh it's a nice feeling Yay. um yeah so uh anyways thank you for listening again and uh have a good week and we'll be back to talk about something else uh which you're gonna hear about probably right now so bye guys bye later Next week's episode of WT Fado, we uh, we weren't sure what we were going to talk about, 
And honestly, we don't know what the episode is going to turn out to be like because we have not seen the movie we have settled on discussing. Uh, That film being uh, Come to Daddy, which is not a porno. Um, It apparently is some type of horror movie starring Elijah Wood. So uh, we're going to check that out because uh, I know I'm at least a fan of Maniac. Um, So yeah. We'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. But anyways, we'll be back next week with more with more show. All right? Take care. Bye. Love you. If you're enjoying WT Fada and you want to bring it with you on the go, well, there's a place for that. It's called R-O-N-I-I-I-A-R-T dot redbubble.com you can head over there we have all the wt fada merchandise you could ever want in the wt fada collection um a lot of good stuff there uh, a lot of stuff that i'm very happy with very pleased with um and a few new designs that have been added since last week um that i'm very excited about so check them out especially i, I especially like uh wt fada podcast You've uh, tried the rest, now try the mediocrest. Pretty proud of that. Uh, John, I before we go, before we wrap up, maybe this is an Easter egg, but like, are you going to show me your face? All right, I'll do it. He's going to do it. Oh my God, I'm excited. I haven't seen John's actual face in so long. Here it comes. Here it comes. He just hold, he just held up the mask. Is that your actual face now? <laughs> yeah. Whoa, John! I. This is me. You know. This is what I look like. It's not bad, dude. It really isn't. <laughs> it's bad. It's not bad. I so I. This is. I have some stubble, you know, so it's yeah. like it doesn't look as bad. But, I mean, when I originally shaved it, it was, like, 100 times worse. I, I yeah. you know, I shaved it, what, <sighs> fucking Tuesday night? No, Monday night. Yeah. So, it's coming back quick. It's It'll amazing. Be back before you know it. It's crazy, but dude. I, I, I look feel like, like I'm 21 again. I feel like I haven't seen you like that in so long. But I look like I just graduated high school. <laughs> you don't look bad, dude. You really don't. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. I just wanted to record that before I forgot, because I was—I've I, been tantalized this entire time looking at a luchador mask. I needed to know. Uh, All right. This is me. Bye, guys. <laughs>